0: I was wondering why raccoons have striped tails earlier today, like mm-hmm. maybe a couple minutes ago. So I just Googled it like I do with every random question I have. I want to know the answer to. So it was, why are raccoon tails striped? But when I typed, why are raccoon, the first thing that pops up is so cute. <laughs> why are raccoons so cute? Oh,
1: why are raccoons so cute? I see. <laughs> That's fair. When I... When I type it in, it fills in, why are raccoons out during the day? I don't know. Like, why do people go out at night? The first first result is, it's perfectly normal for raccoons to be active throughout the day.
0: Those are my animal facts for today.
1: hey everyone welcome to episode 260 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we are your hosts i'm chris castor rappel with me is lee mcleod hey lee hi chris how are you
0: i'm doing just dandy it's a lovely well gloomy tuesday afternoon
1: oh yeah i haven't well actually i was just outside i didn't even realize it was gloomy
0: it's gloomy where I am. I mean, we're okay. almost an hour away from each other, so...
1: That's true. It's not bad here.
0: It, it, the sun may not have even set over there.
1: How's your uh, apartment renovation situation? Oh, you wanna well. Update update the podcasting audience about that?
0: Yeah, I know what my flooring is going to be, uh, but it's a real struggle to actually get the person here mm. due to their unreliable schedule. Sure. Uh, I was actually working on that earlier today, but... I did not get very far, (laughs) so I'm basically in the last steps of having a floor, and then everything should be fine, but really hoping that gets done. Someday,
1: you'll be able to walk on your floor in your apartment.
0: Yeah, instead of just like on the slab foundation or whatever, Mm. that'd be great.
1: (laughs) We kicked off last week our new segment, which is each week keeping up with the... Mostly the Pioneer challenges, because those are the tournaments that actually happen. Although if I see anything particularly spicy from an RCQ or whatever, I'll make sure to reference it. But we are tracking the Pioneer challenges at least each weekend and just kind of like watching the Pioneer metagame develop. Uh, Gonna just check all of the deck lists and really just copy the format of the Dominaria's Judgment podcast. But just do it for Pioneer instead of Modern because the regional championship is Pioneer, the Pro Tour is Pioneer, and we want to be good at it. We want to help people get ready for it. A lot of people we know are queued for the regional championship, and mm-hmm. so I bet a lot of y'all are queued for it. And uh, I think this is the most useful thing to be focusing on for the you know relevant future and uh i think this episode we're pretty much just going to talk about pioneer and try to like really get a handle on it we did a short version of the segment last week but because it was our set review we didn't want to spend too much time on it but i think now we can really dig our teeth in and just kind of figure out what's going on and where we want to go from here
0: yeah and i I think these challenges kind of only scrape the beginnings of what i've seen i know that i just saw a list on Twitter. yeah, you know right before we recorded this that was a five color ley line binding bring to light soul tie pile
1: ooh, with like okay.
0: four ties and stuff like that uh it was quite a wild deck list and the person has been working on it and apparently is doing well in leagues but just hasn't like done anything in the challenges yet so i'm interested to see what people do with god and that deck list was also horrendous to me because i have four Savai triumph in your soul tie deck which is ooh. but you know
1: <laughs> yeah, but you get, you have to have the opposite triome if you're gonna cast your Leyline binding. binding. with no fetch lines, you really are like relying on going like triome triome, one mana Leyline binding in order to do that.
0: Yeah, I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. It's just whoof, <laughs> Man, who lives in ohmsfor so I try <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's tough. That's tough. I I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to take a look at that list, but uh for now, at least let's dig into the challenges and then, you know, we can get to whatever is spice after that.
0: Okay. I can save it. Mostly we're just looking at like an evolution of pioneer after the Dominary United set release. Mm-hmm. So kind of how everyone's adapting to mostly Liliana with a fail. Not a lot of new cards are showing up in these challenges beyond that.
1: No, a, a few here and there, and we'll certainly point them out. Also, some like kind of surprising absences of new cards where you would expect at least a couple of copies that we will also point out and kind of, you know, shrug our shoulders and go, huh, when it doesn't make very much sense. But just to give like a quick recap, so I'm I'm kind of keeping track of the results each week. I got a little table here in the show notes that I have updating every week just to sort of see trends as best as possible and I mean the main one that sticks out is that Rakdos midrange has keeps being good and doesn't stop being good it's worst week or it's worst challenge so far has been one copy in the top eight and four copies in the top 32 and that's better than most decks best week even better than most of the top decks best weeks so uh, this deck is real this deck is I mean obviously it's real it's been real the whole time but It continues to be real and with liliana as an inclusion is the best deck in the format like pretty unquestionably
0: yeah and it's (laughs) i'm i'm not a black red apologist by any means like it's been a top deck for a very long time pioneer but kind of mocked Mm -hmm. as why is this deck doing so well it's full of all three drops all four drops or whatever yeah. But honestly, you play the games and they just like do something on turn two to remove your guy or play Blood Terror or whatever. And then all the cards they follow up with now are just straight heaters.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, you got a lot of threes, but they're Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Liliana of the Veil. Vale. Like, those cards are really good.
0: Yeah, even Bonecrusher Giant as of the card that they play on both turn two and three. Mm-hmm. This is still good.
1: Yeah, if you get if you get something with that stomp and then the four three is relevant, like that's fantastic. That card's really strong. Uh, I I
0: want to talk about like Shieldred though, because it's in it's in this first place deck list on Sundays. Uh, excuse me, on Saturdays challenge mm-hmm. by Zaro's. Yeah, who had like a pretty you know standard list as far as new cards go. Three Liliana of the Veil and three Shieldred, the Apocalypse. Uh, that's and nothing in the sideboard. Uh, but shieldred has largely supplanted Kalidus. that's the name. Mm-hmm. yeah. largely supplanted Kalidus is like the four drop stabilizing card of choice because shieldred is so big. <laughs> it's huge.
1: Yes, yeah, I think that the the choice between the two is basically like you play shieldred if you are specifically worried about mono green and want to tilt your deck as heavily towards beating mono green as you possibly can then you play some number of cleduses in some of the shieldred slots that's really the only reason like we don't see really any cleduses on saturday but then on, on saturday mono green kind of crushed it and had 3 in the top 8 and 8 in the top 32 had a very very good saturday and then on sunday uh, Monogreen got bodied pretty hard, none in the top eight, only one in the top 32, and you do see some Kaliduses popping up in the Monogre- or in the Rakdos decks on Sunday. It's still, still a decent amount of Shieldrids. People didn't just go, okay, I need to switch to all Kaliduses in order to combat this menace, but Kaletus exiling Old Growth Trolls and Cavalier of Thorns has been a big part of that matchup, so uh, probably really the only reason to play it over Shieldrin now. Basically,
0: Shieldred is so much better against everything else. Just the text on the card, other than, you know, four mana, four, five with Death Touch. Mm-hmm. The fact that you get life on top of, like, red, black decks are typically pretty bad at stabilizing a board. But Shieldred comes down, gains you life if she survives, which is pretty huge for keep playing the game with your, like, pretty much all late going long cards. Like, you're all threes and fours, right? So your mm-hmm. average draw is going to be better when your opponent's trying, you know, whatever yeah A- and if they're playing treasure coups, it's really hard to do that when children's in play right you can't just afford to sh- take six yeah i mean children like is just
1: so strong against the is it decks that aren't prepared for her like if you're not running some number of you know the that fires card that deals damage equal the number of cards in your hand fires even then like Uh, fire is a victory yeah even then like having five cards to you know that card averages about four damage the the five is pretty hard to hit so usually if you really need to kill a five toughness creature your plan is like leave it in play for a turn treasure cruise when you can use two cards to kill it and uh that's not a good plan that's a
0: terrible plan it's it just plays into what the black red deck does which is it grinds really well and trying to assemble, like, a two-card combo to take down one of their four drops, that's legendary, so they could just, like, have another one. It's It sucks. Also yeah. plays right into Liliana the Veil a lot of the time, which is very disruptive on both ends. Like, it narrows down your board and your hand. Mm-hmm. Oof. So trying to yeah. tag team up anything is not a, a winning proposition.
1: Yeah, I mean, sort of the way that the black-red deck is built makes me if you're gonna play an is it deck i like the look a lot more of the like is it pyromancer deck from the saturday challenge this week and so that is that's fifth place fifth place Deject, yes. so no phoenixes the threat suite is for ledger shredder for young pyromancer and for crackling drake young pyromancer very good against the crackling drake just good against the rakdos decks generally and this deck is even running three fable of the mirror breaker which i love i mean it's just a good card that you get to do when you're not trying to bring back phoenixes and it's also a way of like they have to kill it or it threatens to just give a crackling drake haste and kill them
0: mm-hmm. so
1: there's like a lot of stuff going on in this deck that i think makes it line up better against the things that the Rakdos deck is doing still the density of good cards in the Rakdos deck is is tough to deal with when you're you know they're, they're specifically targeting your treasure cruises with things like shieldred and their graveyard hate and so that's tough to get around but taking the phoenixes out of the deck is probably a good start
0: uh, this deck also does not play balmore uh, and i know we're not really talking about what isn't in a deck but i have seen more and more people uh pushing their you know trying out the new cards with, in their pioneer decks and playing leagues with them mm-hmm. uh, balmore is a dominary united card that kind of anthems your creatures whenever you play answer sorcery mm-hmm. and people have been reporting that it is actually quite good but we don't see it in this list and it is also absent on sunday so i'm not sure if people just haven't made that tested them out in the challenges or people are just because in in this list there's fires of victory which i think is a good card for difficult to remove creatures in these other decks but that's like the only new thing they've incorporated
1: yeah i i totally believe that it's a good card i think that it's like Of the stuff you can play like the worst against fatal push which is a little bit rough yeah that is fair so that may be kind of what's going on there when it's not getting fatal pushed i think it's kind of like it could be very very good and i'm sure that it's actively fantastic against stuff like mono green and anyone that's not just killing it for one mana at instant speed basically
0: yeah do you want to talk about nycthos ramp because they got second and sixth in this particular challenge on saturday yeah. Helpfully named Nickthos Ramp now on Goldfish <laughs> instead of, you know, yeah, Five Color was... Ramp, Bant Ramp, <laughs> just whatever.
1: But this is, of course, Mono Green that did very well on Saturday, got absolutely crushed on Sunday, but we're kind of talking about Saturday right now. Several, actually, three copies in the top eight, I believe, on Saturday. So, second place is a Teferi Who Slows the Sunset version, sixth place is also a Teferi version. And then 8th place is a 1-1 Nicol Bolas Fairy who slows the Sunset split. None of them have Fatal Push. There's like, you know, a copy of Portable Hole, a copy of Glass Casket in the... You know, nobody's really worried specifically about Heroic anymore. So I don't think the Vraska version of Mono Green makes a lot of sense right now. The biggest thing that Vraska was doing was... Like, Raska could allow you to mise a win against red white in game one, and then you'd have like three fatal pushes in your post board games, and you could have a, a decent shot at actually getting them because killing one thing would be enough. uh You can't play heroic in this yeah. Rakdos metagame. Yeah. Black red not- is
0: way too popular. It's rolling up with heroic when your opponent's also rolling up with a bunch of fatal pushes in their main deck is just asking for defeat. And this, yeah. the Ractos deck is a huge portion of the the pioneer metagame right now
1: yeah you you just can't show up to this tournament without feeling like you have a shot at winning in each of your recto's matches and
0: you you roll it up to your tournament rub, rubbing your hands around god i hope i don't play against the most popular deck in this format
1: <laughs> yes i mean it's a it's almost a quarter of the top 32 on sunday like it's it's in the it's in the whole metagame and it's in the winner's metagame and you have to know how to play against it, and red white just doesn't have a plan, so uh, that deck's off the table. So what that means is that mono green doesn't need to worry about that deck anymore. You can build your deck to try to be as resilient to interaction and try to like combo faster, which is what Tefaryus of Sunset does. Is just make you a more linear combo deck. Which you can play I think more Kioras, is...
0: which is the best card in the deck.
1: Yeah, yeah, you just have more untap effects. Uh, yeah, it's just more straightforward like I'm, I'm doing the decks thing and also teferi does have the ability to draw cards you know one time or so and then that can help against the deck that is heavy disruption which is the rectus deck
0: you also get some random life gain thrown in there just in case the red deck is pressuring you a little too early mm-hmm. just teferi does that too if you can get him in play <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and that is one thing you know. Heroic has more has disappeared, but the aggro deck that has kind of been showing up in the most numbers is mono red. Uh, Not great at converting to top eights or wins or anything, but it is showing up and actually put two copies in the top eight on Saturday. There's a couple of different builds of mono red. The most straightforward and the most popular one is the eight one-drop Prowess guys, Phoenix Chick as just the best Rage and Goblin, and then Chandra Dress to Kill, and then a bunch of one-mana spells.
0: And then you play Obosh.
1: Yes, and it's an Obosh deck.
0: Because you don't have any uh, even cards in your deck. You're just yeah, all I mean, ones and threes. You're all
1: ones, one, and most of your threes are actually ones. So,
0: right. or, or secretly a stop as a two.
1: Yes. So, yeah, I mean, this deck seems fine. It is heavily... Like, the thing that's really making this deck capable of of existing is Kumano Faces Kakazan. That's just... Yeah, that card you is know, incredible. It's just really good.
0: It's such a good, like you predicted it in Spoiler Season, it's such a good preview play to turn two Phoenix Trick. Like, it, it, that's nice when you get the two-two yeah. flying haste. Oof.
1: It's also nice that it... Like, this is a red deck that kind of doesn't care what order it plays its one-drops in. Because if you play... Kumano faces Kog is on first. Great, that's what the Saga wants you to do. If you play it after your prowess, guys, it's a creature that triggers your prowess, guys, and mm-hmm. that's really good as well. So I, I do think the red deck is pretty good. You are at the mercy of draws, like, pretty heavily, and, you know, if you lose the die roll against Mono Green and they just, like, Cavalier of Thorns you very quickly, then you know, it's hard to be on the draw as this red deck aiming removal spells at Llanowar Elves and thinking you're actually going to win that game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there are definite weaknesses to this.
0: You're like a classic red deck. It's <laughs> like the most classic modern red yes, deck.
1: Yes, this is like a 20-20-20. Yep,
0: you're just playing some creatures, trying to get in under them, and then you finish off with burn spells. This is the most classic formula. It's just that your cards are good. Like, Chandra Dressed to Kill is your kind of inevitability engine. Uh, does damage unless you draw cards but it's mostly just more light up the stages
1: this actually is a 20 20 deck just with chandra as like an instant or sorcery so that's that's kind of cute i appreciate that classic
0: well you throw in the one companion there so it kind of screws up the numbers
1: oh that's in the sideboard
0: <laughs> yeah that's where it, it doesn't stay there <laughs> <laughs> well, it does stay there a lot of games, but...
1: You're only playing the 20 lands, and four of them are <laughs> Den of the Bugbear, and four of them are Ramunap Ruins, which is really sick. This this is the best mana base in Pioneer by a lot. Yeah,
0: Den of the Bugbear, also still the best creature land in Pioneer, so...
1: Maybe ever? I guess Mutavolt, but... Mutavolt's
0: in the conversation, but yeah. Den of the Bugbear is scary in a way that yeah. Mutavolt is not.
1: Right, Mutavolt's just low-cost and easy and very good with tribal stuff. Then like is a real contributor to the damage output of these decks.
0: It gives them a lot of inevitability when their deck. You know, if you have to aim removal spells at your War Elves or your Elvish Mystics, it does let you actually convert some of your lands into damage. That's actually yeah. pretty important for closing out those kind of wins.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm into this red deck. I think it's clean. I think it's strong. I would be interested in understanding exactly how the matchup against Ractos goes and what your job is in that matchup and what you can do to kind of make that better. If just like, you know, your cards trade for theirs efficiently and then you have all these Light of the Stages and Chandra's, then maybe that that can play out really well for you. Uh, Yeah,
0: I think that's mostly how they want to play it. They just want to get in damage with their creatures before they die to a removal spell and then just dodge the four drop that gains much of life. Like or Shieldred.
1: You also are a deck that makes Liliana bad and makes Fable kind of bad and so that's a that's a nice place to be Kalidus and Shieldred are pretty terrifying they're nigh unbeatable
0: you really got to kill before (laughs) like you're not getting either one off the table that's the hard part that's why these decks play just a bunch of rampaging for all
1: stones their sideboard (laughs) yes yeah I guess that's that's the only real answer there is just play my three drop that's like kind of awkward to kill and hope it stops you from gaining life in exactly the way that you want to do it
0: Yeah, It's not super enough, so you kind of just have to... You know, you're a red deck, sometimes you just kill people.
1: Yep, I think that is a fine plan. But has not been as, like, consistently successful as the decks, you know, at the top of the format. Rectus midrange, mono green, blue white control, and actually Bant Spirits has put a top 8 appearance in every one of the challenges so far with uh, Dominaria United.
0: Yeah, but but not a huge... uh repeat like there's not a huge number of these in the top eight it's just like one you've got one per challenge
1: (laughs) yes there's exactly one in each of the top eights and then maybe one more somewhere in the top 32 and that's as as deep as it goes which either means that you know somebody's just getting lucky each time or there aren't very many of these lists and it's performing better than you know, more people should be playing it because it is actually pretty good.
0: I will also say, after looking at the challenges, it's the exact same player every single time. So, oh, is it? Okay, yes. well, that's good. I it's, was, I was actually it's kind of always Arturigus.
1: Well, good for them. That's yeah. dope. Good job.
0: They are always in the top eight with band spirits, and they are the only person to ever be in the top eight with band spirits.
1: I maybe we need to get them on the podcast.
0: Just mess, send them a message on Voto and Be like, hey.
1: Hey, can you want to talk about this, this one? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to just keep an eye on how their deck evolves week to week, I guess. That's that's a thing I should note and kind of check out, because they clearly have a good idea of what's going on.
0: I know between Saturday and Sunday there
1: were no changes. No. Tough to make, like, significant changes from one day to another on a weekend, especially if you top 8 it on Saturday, then, you know.
0: Well, he top 8s every time, so that not really... I,
1: but if you top 8 on Saturday, like maybe you can predict some small meta changes on Sunday, but like the lists don't get published, so.
0: That's true. Uh, I I still don't know what to think about Spirits. I think it's a fine slightly underpowered deck. Like I don't I don't know the the merits of it cuz it doesn't show up very often. It's a little inconsistent.
1: This is a deck that just so desperately needs Noble Hierarch and or Ether Vial.
0: Yeah, it it would be nice like a spooky noble hierarch
1: i mean the modern version just played noble hierarch back when that was a deck noble geist very clever (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand how you beat eractos with this deck i think is my my that would be my first question when we get them on the podcast like what's the game plan tell tell us
0: because i i honestly don't know like i never see band spirits in the wild ever
1: I believe the answer to that, and I'm just spitballing here, I believe the answer to that, though, is by outplaying them because clearly this, this player is very good with this deck and very good at magic. So I think that having a flash deck that you know how to play very well against your opponents is going to get you a lot of mileage that maybe not all of us are capable of doing with this deck.
0: And sometimes, you know... Maybe they just play four drop and you company into spell Queller and another thing and you're like all right this is my game
1: yeah <laughs> i mean yeah you can definitely company into your Skyclave apparition to get rid of their four drop and then hit a lord for your other dudes and just kind of go from there but yeah i guess we shouldn't spend too much time on like uncovering this mystery because it is one player who's really good with this deck and just isn't missing challenge top eights so yeah just gonna like give them a pat on the back and move on
0: sure so that's beyond the top eight everything else is uh ninth through 32nd anything you wanted to touch on in particular anything caught your eye
1: yeah so that that top eight was one ractos one band spirits three mono green and is it pyro and two mono red uh so we did touch on all of those uh you know notable absences from the top eight no phoenix decks in the top eight and really has gotten pushed out of this top 32 and as we will see as well on sunday there's only one copy in the top eight and that's the only copy in the top 32 i think phoenix is getting really punished by the way these rectos decks are built right now
0: yeah i, I think so too and i kind of <laughs> expected this with mm-hmm. the way that the Ractor Dex, rectus decks would be trending up with Liliana's release yeah I really thought more people would go towards the prowess version or the ledger shreddery version
1: yeah anything that's not relying on phoenixes and casting a bunch of spells it's just and you know that was one of the ways that you know Jund could beat phoenix in modern was through Liliana of the veil vale. if you like thought season and then Fatal Push, their thing in the ice, and then you play a Liliana, and then you just keep ticking it up, it becomes really difficult to get traction. And especially when something like, you know, Fires of Victory is your only answer to Shieldred, and Rakdos is just like, I'm going to keep you off of enough cards in hand so you can never deal five to the Shieldred with it. They just put you in this bind that's really, really difficult to get out of.
0: Yeah, so no, no, the Phoenixes are on the, the ashes portion of their life cycle right now
1: yes uh also notably absent from this top eight is blue white control this is the only top eight of the four challenges we are looking at since dmu's release uh this is the only one that blue white control has missed uh it will come back on sunday though so with a vengeance yes it it will be back but also you know another deck that i'm not excited to play when my opponents are playing liliana of the veil that's tough
0: really I mean, I get it, but I don't think there's like a fundamental mismatch there.
1: I I think it's just like instead of playing a card that's medium against you in the three drop slot, they're playing a card that's like I need to get rid of this in the three drop slot. That's
0: perfectly reasonable. Uh, I do think, for what it's worth, there's a lot more answers to like incidental answers to Liliana nowadays. You can play in your right control deck.
1: That's very true.
0: Even just the Wandering Emperor can do a feasible job of making a body for liliana
1: right like they just put destroy planeswalker on more things so mm-hmm. if you have to play
0: i mean these are also leyline binding decks down too so if you have to you can get rid of liliana that way
1: sure well the blue white control decks are not leyline binding decks are they
0: uh the one in 10th place by below if it's playing one uh, as well as oh, I saw one a little further down maybe it was in the sunday challenge that had also oh, yeah they are binding but it is certainly a thing you can do now
1: that's really interesting yeah just like two rafine's towers two rogram trium and two spars headquarters as bad irrigated farmlands and then your leyline binding sometimes costs three or even two or whatever
0: i don't know if it's better than cast away cast out whichever cast one out. yeah because that one does cycle Mm-hmm. But maybe the offset is that you're putting cycling lands into your blue eye control deck, so you can you know cycle extra lands if you need to, and you just have late line binding. But I, I'm not really sure about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a good thing to try, and the upside of having like a two mana removal spell that gets anything some amount of the time is a very big upside.
0: Mm-hmm. I think three mana is more accurate. Yeah. if you have <laughs> any triumph time.
1: in play, it's a three mana spell
0: which is for a flash over ring is pretty good in yeah. this pioneer format
1: when it is four mana it is a little bit clunky but that's not worse than cast out it's just that you can't cycle it so. right
0: yeah Th- my m- what i was saying was like if you if it's mostly for a four mana card right these the decks Cast Out is playing cast better. out yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: yeah yeah no it makes it, it i mean it makes a, a pretty decent amount of sense most of the deck plays at instant speed everything but like your wraths and your Teferi's is an instant and i mean portable Holocaust one mana having the ley line binding as your like you know non one mana removal spell and it is an instant like i like it in the deck if it works so yeah.
0: and and have note these six triomes mm-hmm. are the only tap lands in the deck uh, unless mm-hmm. you want to also count hollow storm giants which is is reasonable mm-hmm. uh, but when you play this many triomes all your castles and your glacial fortresses and such they all come to play
1: untapped yeah Yeah, I think it probably works out mostly just fine. And you can, like, you know, a lot of times you're playing Portable Hole on turn two, and if you have to play a Tap Land and a Portable Hole on turn two, like, that's kind of what you were doing anyways. So, you know. And I mean, these decks were running, like, four Irrigated farmlands before this, so this isn't different.
0: Yeah, I could see it. It, it, It's definitely an interesting evolution of the control deck. Yeah. I'm actually would be interested in like keeping track of which decks play land because I, mean, I mean spoiler alert for sunday the winning deck list was blue white control and did not play any so yeah definitely something to see if people like look at this deck list the may 10th and it's like oh this is you know maybe we'll try this out and it just becomes stock sure
1: yeah i mean other notable things from saturday uh no mono white humans in the tournament at all it looks like i believe
0: uh, that it, that deck is horrendous against barackets it's just—it's it's the heroic yeah. effect thing too. Like, you, yeah. Why would you play heroic? Why would you play mono white? is everywhere.
1: Yeah, fatal push plus other removal spells, particularly Bone Crusher Giant, is just a big stopper. And then children is very similar to Kalitas and just ending the game. There is so there are a couple of different builds of Jund Sacrifice, <laughs> and in this one. Yeah, so the one that pops up here on Saturday is a very old school version of the sacrifice deck. This is a four boluses citadel deck that is trying to I'm unconvinced that the addition of oh, this doesn't even have the new card in it. the saturday one the sunday one has phyrexian vivisector in it which is a grizzly bear that scries whenever one of your things dies this this one on saturday hasn't even added that to it and this is just the the super old school like catacomb sifter Bolus, citadel deck unconvinced that that's that's what you want to be doing
0: yeah i don't this is literally a deck list from like last year there's not a single card and it passed strixhaven (laughs) I, I don't not too much to say about like like this i mean you can still do high roll off pulls the citadel stuff it's just not on the power level that you need to be anymore yeah
1: i mean if you want to just not engage in like playing a game of magic the gathering interactives then i guess this is a way to do it but i don't think it's a very reliable way of doing it definitely would be remiss not to point out the existence of an elves deck here this is a Leaf Crown Visionary and just a bunch of creatures that say Elf on them and four collected companies. Not nothing too exciting, but there's like a lot of good two mana elves in the format now, and you can put them together. And also probably pretty bad against Fatal Push.
0: Yeah, I'm pushing back against this one. I've I love elves. People have posted basically this deck list. There's mm. not that many elves in Pioneer. It's basically this deck list. Yeah, uh, on twitter being like i finally trophied with some some elves leagues and blah 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 blah, and i've seen it a couple times and this 4-3 record and 20th place in the challenge is like exactly (laughs) the the exact spot yeah i expect to see elves in yeah like you can do powerful things and you've got some recursive elements and stuff with uh, realm walker and the new lord but
1: but if you're putting circle of dreams druid in your deck you're not fooling anybody
0: yeah your cards are just not that good (laughs) like they're not at the level they need to be in order to consistently compete with the other decks in pioneer yeah like I, as much as it pains me to admit i i would really like to play elves like if i could play elvish Archdruid in pioneer with realm walker maybe we could talk you know but sure. that card's not legal it's like one core set too early
1: yes and yeah circle of dreams druid just a worse elvish arch druid that doesn't pump your team is not not it's not doing it
0: no no It's also a one toughness creature so it can get Spike Field Hazard. Like, come on.
1: Yeah, I don't love it. Also, three copies of Enigmatic Incarnation in this top 32. They all are Yorion decks, which I think is kind of interesting. When I was fooling around with this card a bunch in Standard because it was kind kind of the only thing that I wanted to do when it was standard legal, even though that it quickly became not the biggest thing around, which is a dangerous place to be for an Enigmatic (laughs) Incarnation deck. Like, yeah, you want Yorian in your deck because a lot of your cards are good with Yorian, but also you want to draw Enigmatic Incarnation at all times at all moments and so a 60 card deck is much better at doing that than an 80 card deck so kind of interesting that the consensus so early on is so clearly towards yeah it's a Yorion deck
0: uh, i think the difference is nowadays there's a lot more to do like putting permits on the battlefield that draws you or puts your opponent behind mm-hmm. like nowadays you have spirit a companion an ether a channeler and like fable the mirror breaker these are all cards that are really good that either dig you to a card or offset your opponent or both sometimes, mm-hmm. which I think lessens that a little bit, even though, you know, Yorion is still in the main decks of these techs as well as a companion card.
1: <laughs> I think it's better in the main deck than in oh, yeah, as certainly. a companion. Like the turns where you like sacrifice your fires of invention to get Yorion and then blink four permanents are like really good.
0: Yeah, and also <laughs> the there's a huge scope of differences between these two deck lists and what 14th and 15th place mm-hmm. uh, there, there's about 16 you know 15 creatures in each deck and they're all one-ups it's just and they're they're different
1: they're different i know and i mean that's i like so th- i think that's a big impetus behind the their Yorion decks is just there's so many cards you can put in this deck that cutting it down to 60 cards is nigh on impossible. Claudio's list in 15th place just doesn't have Moonblessed Cleric where this is the one that searches for an enchantment and puts it on the top of your library. Like that's a fundamental point of disagreement whether or not you should be running Moonblessed Cleric and and you know, once this deck is established, like that question has to be answered whether or not you run it. So, that, you know, these these decks are diverging. One of these decks is wrong and one of these decks is right basically. I do like commune with spirits and i feel like the deck should probably be playing more that card just seems like incredible to me
0: commune with spirits is the ancient strings or enchantments or lands right
1: yes not not for spirits
0: yeah i believe <laughs> yeah of course not i believe if you are a commune with spirits enthusiast i don't think you should play some cleric does that make sense yes. it sounds yeah. counterproductive but
1: and yet the version playing any copies of Commune with Spirits is the version playing <laughs> Moonless Cleric. So who knows? Who knows what's going on? Yeah, the the like creature suite is fundamentally different in some. You know, some of these. I think at least one of these doesn't have a Titan of Industry in its seven slot and is just like a. Well, they both have Titan of Industry, but
0: one of them has eight well, and the other doesn't.
1: I think the third one does not have yeah. Titan of Industry. Yeah, just the has third one does not have Titan. of Industry. Agent of Treachery and. Is that the only seven? No, it has that. Uh, it has Dragon Lord Atarka as its other seven. Ah, yes, of course. That's, That's just... the
0: beauty of these uh, enigmatic incarnation decks. You just kind of like it's like making a soup or you yeah. just throw whatever you want in. You know,
1: stir in all of your favorite cards. I think the other thing, the real thing that actually encourages you to be a Yorian deck, besides like I I don't want to cut any of my babies. Uh, they're all good boys. I, I think one of the things that really gets you into it is number one, Fable of the Mirror Breaker is good in this deck. And so mm-hmm. you're going to jump through the hoops to be able to make red mana that means that well i might as well play fires of invention if i'm pl- paying the red if i'm making the red mana if i'm going to be consistently having red mana on turn 3 i might as well play fires because it's not a sacrifice and it is good with enigmatic incarnation once you have fires yorion becomes more tempting because it's just better when you get to cast your spells for free and the companion tax doesn't really exist anymore and then you know, it starts being like, okay, well, this that kind of cascading decision tree ends you up in a Yorion deck.
0: I do like Sarah Paragon a lot in one of these decks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, that no, yeah. Again, these decks are all one of basically in the creature suite. But Sarah Paragon is a really nice value engine, especially when you are consistently sacrificing things.
1: Yes, and I wonder. I guess. It's really tough to fit fabled passage into this mana base. Yeah, but I mean, if you, you have to play if you the sacrifice triums,
0: the fable of the mirror breaker or mm-hmm. some other three mana enchantment to get Sarah Paragon on your next turn, you can just play that one from the graveyard. Yeah, because unlike Luris, you can't play three drops with Sarah Paragon.
1: One of the other really neat tricks that you can do, which was a a classic thing that you could do with Luris when that was in the main deck of these decks, I think I may have talked about it before. You sacrifice an enchantment at end of turn to get your Luris, and then you can cast your flash enchantment from your graveyard that turn so if you sacrifice your omen of the sea to get Luris, then you can just cast it during your end step Uh, and i and you can do that as well with sarah paragon yeah
0: i think just (laughs) omen of the sea because even though Leyland binding does have flash it's it's too expensive for sarah paragon to let you cast
1: ally you're not getting a sarah paragon when you're sacrificing line binding though so you know once well, is it, just
0: in the graveyard you know
1: i know but once the layline binding is in the graveyard probably that's because you've you've gotten a seven and the titan of industry
0: that's my yeah. favorite
1: seven i do i do love a titan of industry
0: it just does so much when there's a battlefield just making a bunch a, a rhino and doing something else or getting two other permanents off board i just it does the thing you need to do when it comes into play
1: Titan, Agent of Treachery seems like the best pair of sevens to have in your deck. So
0: I don't even know that you need a pair. Like sometimes Agent is good and sometimes just like doesn't do very much. Mm-hmm. And drawing it is often bad. So I don't even mind just like too tight of industry. Yeah, that's kind of like getting into the weeds of which seven drops do you play in your (laughs) fire? Yeah, that
1: seems like a thing you figure out, like in your 15th league with the deck or whatever. Right. Yeah. You finally make that decision. There are some boards that Titan is not the best against and an agent should be, you know, solves those problem boards when there's just like something horrible on the other side that you have to take.
0: Yeah. And it can't it has to be like a creature because it can't because a Titan gets rid of artifacts or enchantments.
1: Right. Right. Or a land but not lotus field because that has yeah i can't the,
0: the land you're most likely to use to lose to is the one you cannot take
1: <laughs> but you know i'm down to watch the iteration of these decks and participate in the iteration of these decks kind of the the things that stay the same between them uh the things that we know are like part of it is chain to the rocks is a great removal spell in these decks Fires makes a lot of sense. Once you're doing Fable of the Breaker. Fable is really good. The Leyline Binding, Nylea's Presence, Enigmatic Incarnation combo is all in there. And then you have Woman of the Sea and don't Trial of Ambition. Me. There's only like one Spirited Companion in each of these lists. Yeah, you don't so. want to
0: leave home without him though.
1: No, but that, that package of enchantments is the thing that's like consistent between yeah. the lists. And then the creatures are just kind of like, once you're generating value with enigmatic incarnation as long as you have passable creatures in your slots then it's fine and optimizing them is the fun part but maybe not so much the important part for like defining what the deck is
0: yeah it's mostly a consistency problem Mm because many of the creatures you get are going to be good
1: i i feel like if i'm going to play 80 cards i guess making green mana is just awkward enough but you do want your, your deck to make green for Nylea's Presence. I just want to play four Commune with Spirits. I don't know. That just seems very good.
0: I think you can do that. You just have to be prepared to weave them alongside other cards. Like, you're not going to be playing them on turn one that often.
1: Right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, there's certainly space here to modify this. <laughs> and maybe
0: maybe you just want to play more two drops so that your turn three can be mm-hmm. Commune plus a two drop.
1: Sure. Yeah. That's
0: what, If you're trying to dig for a enigmatic incarnation you would want to grab it before turn four
1: and then when you have it have an enchantment in play have something to get yeah i mean a lot of your enchantments are twos you know trial of ambition omen of the sea nylia's presence so that that's not like crazy yeah
0: just sequence have to be able to sequence your land drops so that you don't have so your third land comes to play untapped which is a little easier with the slow lands
1: mm-hmm. you you are running a bunch of triumphs but that does enable your whole deal so yeah
0: and bindings, so I yeah. <laughs> can't really leave home without those.
1: I mean, we are seven or eight colors in this deck and making Leyline binding do a lot of work, so
0: All right, moving on from those piles, which yes. are very, very fascinating. But they
1: are they are super interesting. Not not too much else to talk about on Saturday. I think we can move on to Sunday. So Sunday we did see a shift in the meta from mono green doing very well on Saturday, as we mentioned before. Just got absolutely slaughtered on Sunday. There is a single copy in the top 32. This is the first top eight that it's missed. And Rakdos mid just ascendant in this tournament. Half of the top eight, three more copies in the top 32 and just putting on a, a dominant performance want to pay special attention to the sideboards of these decks because the easy conclusion to draw here is like oh the Rakdos deck showed up crushed everything and were ready for the mono green decks and that's part of the reason you know everybody saw mono green do good but the black red decks were the standouts were they ready to beat mono green and yeah I mean we see a lot of lifebane zombies in these sideboards I, I think that they understand that mono green is enemy number one I, I mean maybe aside from the mirror
0: there's even like the the fourth place list has kervik the spiteful in the sideboard <laughs> which is the other creatures get minus one minus one creature
1: yes just Pretty a good against hater against all sort of elves shenanigans and actually so just on the saturday challenge there are no life bane zombies in the tournament but on the sunday challenge two of the lists in the top eight have lifebane zombies in their sideboard which i think is a a big deal
0: yeah and and extinction event of course which is very Mm -hmm. good against modern green yes they play they're like the obosh of
1: green decks yes everything relevant is odd their elves cost one their trolls cost three their cavaliers cost five and if you can take their creatures off of the board then you can attack their planeswalkers down because you play a lot of creatures so
0: yeah and you severely you you're you're kind of in the opposite boat where you play a lot of uh evens. you've got the like the random bloodhead harvesters the twos and the kalitas whatever shieldred that's a four so mm-hmm. you can still have your your guys around it, even if you're not playing out uh, your bone crushers your graveyard trespassers because uh, tokens from fable the mirror breaker also a zero so
1: yeah yep you can also crew your unlicensed hearse (laughs) i mean you're not that's not really a thing actually actually hearse is good against no 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 no,
0: no. i mean hearse is always gonna dodge extinction oh yes yes yes
1: yes. (laughs) but i'm saying you can if you played your bone crusher giant you can use it to crew the hearse cast the extinction event lose your bone crusher giant and get an attack in
0: yeah which you you know you played that bone crusher giant hoping you would draw the extinction event it just happens so you know yes (laughs) sometimes it works out
1: it is very weird though that hearse is quite good against mono green because it is like big enough to attack through blockers and also all growth troll and cavalier thorns are both like triggers when they hit the graveyard that required them to still be in the graveyard when the ability resolves and so this lets you clean up like one of the most annoying things which is that their creatures do stuff on the way out
0: and plus uh i've heard that unlicensed herse is the surgical extraction of pioneer so it should almost be boarded in all the time all the time
1: no matter yeah. what Yes, correct.
0: It like it rarely goes wrong.
1: I mean, a surgical extraction that can attack is much less likely to go badly wrong than uh, yeah, a surgical you're, you're extraction against Blue Eye Control. <laughs> uh, speaking of Blue Eye Control, however, this did take down the Sunday tournament. Nothing too crazy in this list.
0: Yeah, this list is stock. The only new card is a, a temporary lockdown in the sideboard. Also, Starnheim Unleashed, which I have not seen in the sideboard before, but I like it. Pairs <laughs> well with Lyra. <laughs>
1: That is really cute. The Lyra-Baneslayer-Angel split, though, is a little bit of a bummer with the Starnheim unleashed in the board, but fine, fine, fine.
0: It's really begging the question, if you have a Lyra-Dawnbringer in play and you draw a second one, does that matter? <laughs> you,
1: you can't just go Lyra-Lyra against Mono Red. so.
0: I mean, do you even need the second one? That's kind of uh, what yeah, I was can, going for. Can you
1: lose with a Baneslayer-Angel in play against Mono Red? No, probably not
0: yeah i mean this was also a four irrigated farmland deck so i hope people have paid attention to the saturday challenges and mm-hmm. we'll see whether or not people pick up the ley line binding technology and run with it or if they keep doing just straight yep. blue white
1: yep and that also you know it's a handy sign of what your opponent has access to if they play an irrigated farmland they're, pro- they're not going to lay line binding you if they play a triome then that is available to them
0: and these decks play foretell creep cards uh the three of them sought coming behold the matrix and "Doomscar." Mm-hmm. but it will most likely be saw coming yes <laughs> they just play the other two for value which is something i totally get behind
1: yeah for sure the four sweeper one Doomscar, two one farewell two supreme verdict very cute just you know keep them on their toes mix up the punches
0: yeah doom's car is certainly worse than supreme verdict it just like makes your saw it comings better like it, when you foretell a card on turn two your opponent's like oh, okay saw it coming i've got a player on this even if it's like a random mm-hmm. you know ball the motorist or whatever but farewell does something different than supreme verdict which it cleans up a lot of boards that you don't want to deal with like if they yes. land a bunch of permanent types you're not really equipped to, to handle
1: yeah, I mean it's just game over against any deck that has sacrifice in the name.
0: Yes, that's true. Exile all graveyards, get out
1: of here. I, there's no safe place for your Cauldron Familiar to be with this spell is on the stack. Musasabi in second place with just stock. Racto's mid range, just a, the sign of a format where maybe there's not room if if that's what's happening there.
0: Well, I think there's just a lack of nuance in Pioneer. Like if you're not willing to play something like getting Manic Incarnation mm-hmm. uh, where you're taking a hit on power level most of the time, yeah. Pioneer does not have the wealth of powerful cards like Modern or Legacy where you can just be like, all right, I'm going to try something crazy now. Right. And you have powerful cards to back it up. Pioneer is just
1: not that kind of format. There's, there's not like these, you know, not necessarily underplayed cards, but cards that just like don't really have a permanent spot. But on a weekend, like they're strong and could show up doing something. The format just doesn't quite have the depth for that.
0: Yeah, but most of the most powerful cards from Pioneer are either Thoughtseize or printed Eldraine and after.
1: Yeah, so you're you're dipping from a relatively shallow well and most of the good cards are already in a deck right now.
0: Right. right. Shout out to the Bant Spirits. <laughs> yes, you of know, course. Third. Same player. Just <laughs> want to keep that going. We'll see you next week.
1: <laughs> i hope so i hope that that just like stays consistent for the entirety of this segment just like we hit the regional championship and they haven't missed the top eight the entire time yeah that would be great
0: <laughs> i hope that happens not allowed to take a week off you just gotta keep grinding these challenges
1: oh, it's your mom's birthday too bad turn the challenge
0: we've gotta we've got to create a narrative
1: not not just the challenge both challenges you gotta yes. top eight both every weekend that's a lot oh it is a lot yeah
0: but I mean, I they're, they're a month in, you know, or two weeks and four, four, four challenges yeah. in, yeah.
1: Uh, a little more Black Red. Nothing too exciting here. Just noting the main deck Unlicensed Hearse in a lot of these lists. It's just a fine card. Let's see, a little little bit of Phoenix. Fitting in one Temporal Trespass, one Galvanic iteration. Not able to go deep on the combo because it's it's tough to do that in, when you play against Thoughtseize. Like half of your matches.
0: Also note the incredible four lightning axes. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is a this is a list that is very aware of the existence of Shieldred.
0: Yeah, we're not messing around. We are going to try to kill that thing on site every yep. time.
1: Yep. I mean, this is Nasif, right? Just playing. So I assume this oh, blue is blue light control. Pop yeah. 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 So I assume that the blue eye control that one is Stock Nasif blue white, and this is also Stock Nasif blue white. So.
0: Ooh, this got an Orvar the Allform, in the sideboard of the Sieve stack? That's crazy. I wonder what that's for. Uh, I this believe is the Changeling f- clone.
1: I believe that is for Liliana of the Veil. Vale.
0: Okay. What do you copy there, Liliana?
1: Not anything. Rather <laughs> than discarding a card, you get a free Rampant Growth. Like, that's Ooh, fine. that's
0: true. I forgot you copy lands. Yeah. Maybe they have a Shieldred in play, and you just get the Shieldred? Oh.
1: That's fine. Yeah. But I think it's for, you know, they cast Liliana. You're like, okay, that's fine they plus it you put orvar in play you untap you play teferi hero of dominaria and they are dead
0: yeah okay <laughs> yeah the, the top the rest of the top eight is just just Ractives. two, two Rakdos decks that are relatively similar yep almost the same
1: i think it it makes a lot of sense to put a couple of orvars in your sideboard if you're yeah i actually well.
0: like that i haven't I, I didn't really remember what the card did Sure. So now that it's you know been refreshed to my mind, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. It's like, yeah. you know, blue no Hodge Verox.
1: Yeah, that does kind of what you want to do, which is just put you up resources and allow you to cast your card drawing spells and planeswalkers and stuff faster. And that that's what will allow you to be Rakdos midrange.
0: I wonder if it's a little too niche. Like it really only does anything It's Liliana because <laughs> it's a hill giant. Otherwise,
1: yes. I don't think you're bringing it in against anyone who doesn't have Liliana, but, you know, all of these Rakdos decks, their Lilianas are good against you. They have three in the main deck and maybe one in their sideboard. Like, it's half of the (laughs) metagame. It's half of the winner's metagame. Like, go hard or go home.
0: Okay. So, the the rest of the top eight's not interesting. So, what caught your eye in the remaining of the top 32? Because I have a couple things I know I want to talk about.
1: Yeah, why don't you talk about what you are thinking about?
0: Okay, so in eleventh place with Carnage Cards, <laughs> it's a Orzhov Greasefang deck, which is, you know, normally you see Abzan Greasefang. This one is just straight white, black. Relevant differences that they are playing, uh, Stitcher Supplier, because obviously there's no Sator um, Wayfinder, so it's just Stitcher Supplier doing the heavy lifting, along with Raphine's Reformat and Guardian of Benalia, which is that new, you can discard a card to make it indestructible. Mm-hmm. card from Dominaria united and you get to play this like control package with the wandering emperor and vanishing verse mm-hmm. and a duress is in this particular list but what i think makes it really cool and obviously you've got the normal greece thing stuff like for greece for parhelion for thotsis yeah. blah 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 and for liliana now because that's that's the thing <laughs> i really like sarah paragon in this deck yeah one of my a Seekers chariot was neat for the abzan versions of the deck mm-hmm. but a chariot kind of lacked depth as like it was, it was really easy to handle mm-hmm. once you're just playing the game and it's especially a non-starter when people are just rolling up with Shieldred, and you're like crew my four four
1: <laughs> right and like chariot is good but it's good like it's great when you go like Two drop, three drop, chariot, or one drop, two drop, three drop, chariot. Like that's when it's like, oh my god! Like I just like like did everything I could to handle your good two and your good three, and now like this is here. But when your cards are like kind of not,
0: when you're going stitcher supplier into like Seder Wayfinder, it's like uh,
1: like a Chariot is good, and I love it with Grease Fang. Like that that like flow of of getting it back with Grease Fang is like is, is like great, but. It's not contributing to a full-on mid-range game plan quite in the same way as it does when, like, all of your cards do things on their own. Yeah,
0: which is why I really like Sarah Paragon because Mm -hmm. it facilitates both of your plans while being like a really solid creature for three, four, flying for four. four. Uh, You can get back your. Three four, but yeah. Mm -hmm. What did I say? Four three. It doesn't matter. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, I knew it was a three four it gets back your lilianas and yeah. your like guardian stuff so you can both keep doing the control stuff if you want to just get back lilianas and keep pressuring them with your random throwaway creatures they have to deal with their paragon or you're just going to keep playing things mm-hmm. uh, and if you they've killed your grease fang you can just play a grease fang out of your graveyard yeah so it just puts way more targets on your cards that actually matter whereas a lot of the time when a straight enter the battlefield if grease fang was not involved it was just like all right, that's kind of medium.
1: I'm really into this deck once they print some two that like does the thing that Rafine's informant is doing without being Rafine's informant. <laughs> that's like that's, that's reasonable. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> it's hard to do that kind of thing. I know,
1: I know. Especially in Orzov, like what are we getting that's better than a two drop that loots when it ETBs? Like that may be the the best that we ever get for that slot.
0: Yeah, and i'm not in love with guardian new banalia as just a discord outlet but it right. is somewhat important to have uh a little more than just like liliana
1: right when you don't have fable or something of that nature like you you have to get your count up a little bit more because you you do get Parhelians in your hand and also a thing that happens is like you play your grease fang you put the ability on the stack, your Grease Fang was the only thing that could crew it, so they like let you put the ability on the stack, kill and your Grease kill. Fang, and then your Parhelion ends up back in your hand, like one of the worst places for a Parhelion to be.
0: Yeah, then I mean, you need some way to put it back in the graveyard.
1: Yes. And uh you just have to play some number and thought seizing yourself and Liliana is not quite enough all on its own
0: sarah paragon also does help you a little bit in casting parhelion because when you discard lands to liliana you can replay them with sarah paragon if you're out of other stuff yeah because again sarah paragon just tax your graveyard like if you keep playing cards they go away forever mm-hmm. unlike <laughs> Laris. yes so the field of ruins even without discarding lands to liliana field of ruin is a land you can get back to you know a ramp yourself essentially into yeah. part, casting parhelion
1: normally yeah that's true that, that is pretty cool and that's something that you can only really do in a two color version of the deck
0: mm-hmm. right
1: yeah i think there's definitely something here the grease fang decks are getting closer and closer to something that i'm interested in in doing i mean liliana is just such a big contributor to like i get to cast actual magic the gathering cards on most of the turns of this game and then also have a grease fang combo in my deck
0: yeah, I will say that the Abzan Greasefang decks I've seen with Liliana, they always play for Liliana for some reason, and it just it just seems horrible in that specific shell.
1: I think it's just because it's like the only playable card that is a discard outlet. Like I, I
0: get it, but it it doesn't seem to mesh with the rest of the deck because you're not really putting pressure on any real
1: axis. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like mostly true, but also like it says discarded card on it and it's not embarrassing to cast and yeah. it's like the only cards in one of the cards in pioneer that do that it's fable liliana fable ledger shredder and like two of those are just in the wrong colors so
0: yeah i get it i, I would be more interested in exploring this white black version like more sarah paragon-y mm-hmm. than the absent version just because i don't know if there's that much you can do with the absent version right now that hasn't been explored somewhat and the white black one seems yeah definitely unpolished but there's something there
1: there's space there for sure
0: oh uh, let's see the other deck i wanted to talk about was something that just annoyed me
1: <laughs>
0: um, in 21st place there's a goblins deck it's just red goblins um five and two sunday challenge was a little harder than the, or had more people than the saturday challenge And this deck list is just wild to me (laughs) it it has the most random numbers of the most random goblins the three battle cry goblins just sends me it's that's the uh afr two mana two two that is a when you attack with six power of Mm -hmm. stuff you make a one one goblin with attacking and what's weird to this about this deck list to me is that you've got Hobgoblin Bandit Lord and Rundwell Horde Master. Those are both Goblin Lords. One's two mana, one three, one's three mana. And the Horde Master specifically, but well, you know, any Lord in general, wants you to create bodies. But this deck does not play any copies of Goblin Rattle Master or Legion War boss if you don't want the like Goblins Must Attack text. Instead, opting for like two squee, as as that's it.
1: And like a bunch of one drops is how you get. <laughs> Yeah. Also, it's, it's got Foundry Street Denizen in it, and is not playing like any. You know, it's really low on like Rebel Master Goblin Master, to- Goblin Instigator. Yeah, no Goblin Instigator. No, no Goblin Instigator seems like pretty criminal to me in this deck.
0: Yeah, it's so good with your eight lords, and the fact that one of your lords draws cards when your goblins die.
1: <laughs> also, pile drivers, Goblin pile driver seems atrocious like the,
0: the numbers in this deck is well like we've mentioned like 10 different goblins so far because yes. there's like you know, there's four a lot four of two two yeah. three two and it's just there's two mir- feeble mirror breakers in here because that makes a goblin but i i enjoy goblins mm-hmm. and i really like run horde master so there's gotta be a way we could just build a better goblin yeah deck i mean this is this just one. an
1: unfocused one you gotta have a, a goal you have to have Thing, like specific turns that you're aiming for and stuff like that, and and you know this is just a pile of goblins that is not particularly focused on any particular plan. It's just like I'm gonna play ones and then play some lords, and it's trying to play this kind of like not even a, a like merfolk game really because you don't have the density of lords for that.
0: Um, well, goblins but, is good at refueling. Like if yes. you use your horde master and your like uh, ringleaders, what this deck is playing. You, you can refill on goblins pretty easily. You also have conspicuous snoop, which is like a future site for goblins. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of ways to enable that by like, like Goblin Instigator or uh, Legion War Boss or whatever. Right. And uh, again, not ha- not having the fourth copy of Battle Cry Goblin to me is just criminal. Because <laughs> it's a Swaydo Lord that makes a goblin.
1: Yeah. I, I think Battle Car Goblin is very, very good. at, uh- it's also a card that I've cubed with a number of times, and the the power level of this card is kind of unreasonably high for just this sort of, like, forgotten two-drop.
0: Yeah, it, it also uh, randomly gives haste to creatures. Yes. Which is highly relevant in this kind of deck, especially if you can, you know, go Goblin Instigator, give them both haste attack. Or plus one plus two and haste and attack.
1: I would be actually really interested in. So this is a like little mini combo that I pulled off in Cube at one point and like surprised myself at just how destructive it was. Where I flipped a Fable of the Mirror Breaker and had a Battle Cry Goblin in play and just activated the Battle Cry Goblin to give my to
0: get a reflection.
1: Yeah, so I gave my reflection haste and then I copied my Battle Cry Goblin and then I was able to just attack with all of my random bodies, including the like Goblin token from fable beforehand made multiple tokens and then pumped like a bunch of things with two more activations so i don't know if like leaning into that like battle cry goblin fable synergy because they're both good cards and they can just like give you kind of a force multiplier effect
0: yeah it's weird how many fable Breakers are actually allowed to play because it is like a slow plotty card for a Mm -hmm. goblins deck i think you're supposed to play some but i don't know if you're supposed to go too ham on them
1: yeah i mean i just like at some point you're drawing legion loyalists on turn five and you kind of don't want them at all
0: unless you're playing a season pyromancer huh? (laughs) sure or real young pyromancer i always get my pyromancers confused now
1: yeah I don't know how big of a problem the young pyromancer is when you're playing against the it decks. I think that getting all of your lords picked off is the bigger problem there. Yeah,
0: probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Goblin Lord's a 2-3. Mm-hmm. That's big for a lord.
1: I, I know, but they all play Fiery Impulse and light- and four Lightning Axes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look, all I'm just saying is this Goblin deck, you know, you got five and two in a challenge. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think the deck list... Could be polished.
1: I think there's space. I and I I would be interested in a goblins deck, especially one that's leaning into. I'm a goblins deck, and I can grind. And if you can build this in a way such that your unprepared black red opponent just like aims removal spells at your guys and then puts bodies into play, and then you just like have way more cards than them, then that might be a really good spot to be in.
0: I, I think you definitely want to like have the kill grind combo mm-hmm. because the I mean the Rakdos sacrifice decks are the grind decks. And you're not going to try to outgrind them on that the axis. You want to actually use your lords to kill people. Right, right.
1: But, you know, just like keep going, keep the cards coming and and make sure that like thought seizes and fatal pushes aren't enough to knock you out of a game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's kind of really all I want to talk about that I had left.
1: Yeah, I mean, Grease Fang showing up in bigger numbers on Sunday. Sorry, what, what else did you have?
0: I, I saw one small thing, which I don't think matters, but it's cute which is that inscribed tablet is in in this Lotus Field deck as just more ways to find Lotus Field.
1: Yeah. You know, you don't have anything in addition to Sylvan Scrying as a way to like find lands. I'm sure it helps the consistency there. But Yeah,
0: the main issue is not like finding Lotus Field. It's right. everything. So <laughs> I'm, not I'm finding, still not interested in hinstrings
1: Not finding Lotus Field is one of the ways that you lose with this deck, but... it's the easiest way to not lose yeah there's other ways that you just lose that i think happen a lot in this format unfortunately yep Uh, a couple different sacrifice decks here just want to note that you know despite my disappointment in realizing that braids or is a nightmare is technically a punisher card the rakdos lists have started picking her up just because you know the default at the beginning of your end step you can sacrifice a permanent to make your opponent lose two life and you draw a card and that's you know as long as that is good enough then you can like make that happen with the artifacts and stuff in your deck so this is okay i guess also this is a this version in 20th place on sunday is a very artifact heavy version that's playing like two shrapnel blasts to go with its uh oni cult anvils so really leaning into that burn plan uh, about as hard as you can.
0: I, I don't mind it. Like this is kind of the way I thought braids would be played, if anywhere. It's mm-hmm. like if you know, if you, if your card is good and you can make your opponent sacrifice permanence. and mayhem devil making with braids in play is kind of chef's kiss.
1: Yeah, that's that's a lot of damage.
0: No, I mean that's mayhem devil in a nutshell. I guess.
1: I'm yeah. I mean mayhem devil with any of your cards. Like you're winning as long as you have a mayhem devil in play, basically. Yep. The other sacrifice decks are the, like, kind of clunkier versions that go all the way up to Korvald, mostly.
0: Korvald. Old Rustine in one of these deck lists. That is a forgotten card from one of the inner shot sets. I actually don't know the text on it, and I can't read it on the version of Goldfish this You,
1: You mill a card at the beginning of your upkeep. If you mill a land, you get a treasure. If you mill a creature, you get a 1-1. <laughs> and if it's neither, then you get a blood
0: i remember now (laughs) i've read this card like five times and every time i just forget immediately what it does it's
1: it's cute i definitely have played it in cube decks and then just like been desperately trying to get it off the board before i mill myself out in a grindy game but not as relevant in constructed
0: yeah it's also extremely low impact i'm surprised they're even playing it
1: yeah it's slow
0: there's also a weatherlight completed in this deck whoa that is crazy that's an even slower card
1: that is a very slow card.
0: You have to have it's basically just a two mana enchantment that doesn't do anything until what, five of your creatures die while it's in play? Four of its creatures die.
1: Once four creatures have died with it in play, then it becomes it's, a it's five a five. It it is giving you a scry for each creature that dies, but that's I not mean that's really not
0: super a relevant lot. Kind of non, well, it's a Citadel deck. So right. It's right. not super. Important.
1: When you're just like churning through cards, anyways.
0: Yeah. I mean, once seven creatures have died, you start drawing cards when creatures die, which is that, neat. But does but that but,
1: ever happen?
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> when When is seven creatures dying? This is still in play as a five five, mm-hmm. and you're not already comically winning. Right.
1: Once, once this has four counters on it, then it becomes like the only creature in your deck that excited the fatal push. So.
0: The other one is significantly more boring. No weather like completed in this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that's a pretty good overview. I I feel comfortable in understanding where things are at right now and things that I want to pay attention to going forward. I want to see if Greasefang kind of like starts to rise up and actually convert a little bit. I want to see if the Orzov build of it is more functional and becomes more developed. These tribal decks more goblins than elves i want to see if there's any room for that to grow but other than that you know right now if i'm just like taking one of these lists to play in a tournament it's really hard to do anything other than recto's mid-range mono green blue white control maybe an is a deck or a mono red deck but you know that's that's kind of a tier down right now
0: i'm not really expecting too much right now. Maybe the enigmatic incarnation decks could, you know.
1: I would love that. That's my favorite type of like I I just that's one of my favorite cards that they've printed in years and I I'm down to work on it and try it for sure. But Like I
0: legitimately do not think that deck can be the, the main problem it has I don't think is power level. It's a consistency issue especially mm-hmm. with its mana. I think that's really where it struggles. But it does seem to be doing like it can compete on the mid-range axis. I think it's well suited to doing that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree completely that, like, that's the obvious weakness of the deck is some consistency thing with, like, it's a deck named after a card, so drawing that card spikes your power level really high, and it's also five entire colors. The obvious place to go to me is make it based on Commune with Spirits and potentially make it 60 cards, and I think that both of those things are worth looking at maybe in combination uh, and you might get yourself a much more efficient deck going. You don't need 16 tutorable creatures in your deck to make this deck work.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what you're going to play like next week or so just for reps practice?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to give a little bit of time to a non-Phoenix a deck. What I really need to do is is grab Philip or somebody else and have them play Rakdos midrange against a bunch of ideas of things that could be good against Rakdos midrange. Like, is there a build of is it that makes sense against it? Okay, none of these ideas are really working out. I'll abandon that. Because I think that's just like test number one of the format is like, can you hang with the Rakdos deck?
0: Yes, because that's going to be... I mean, that's why Mono White and Heroic are significant downtrends because they just can't hang.
1: Yep i'm interested in finding out like if there are other ways to go other than just mono green and blue white that can consistently hang with with their deck and places that i am interested in are primarily yeah enigmatic incarnation and like a crackling drake is a deck but i don't know how much of that is because i like those four mana spells and how much of that is because i think that the, like i truly believe that there's angles here that will work
0: so I, I will say, from my perspective, I don't particularly like either of those mm-hmm. uh, cards, so I'm not biased for them. Sure. And I don't think the Izzet deck is going to be well-suited. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what form it takes, I don't really think it has the power level chops to compete right now.
1: I think Shieldred is just such a big problem, though. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I do, too. And the Enigmatic Incarnation decks, while weird, strike me as a place where you can find some sort of ground.
1: Yeah. And uh, that is where I am leaning as well. But also just going to spend some time getting in some matches with the good decks. Like I obviously need to play Raktor's midrange and play more mono green and just be comfortable with them. Yeah, of course. Cool. Any other thoughts?
0: Mm, no, I, I'm i good. All right. Just, I, I, I want to see, I, I really want to see where this blue I control with or without triomes and Enigmatic Incarnation. Those are the two most interesting things to do today, so I hope those go somewhere.
1: Yeah. Oh, I did also want to note the mono blue spirits deck still showed up a little bit and isn't playing any copies of Combat Research, which is just curiosity. I lose to that deck when they play a one drop and then they put a curious obsession on it and then I just die. And I I just feel like, you know, maybe two more copies of a curiosity effect, like, is just going to make the deck better, especially because of the existence of Geist Light Snare. So your best draws just include an enchantment. It is weird to me that they're not running any, and maybe I'm just not understanding something about how the deck works.
0: So it doesn't, it's not weird to me, because I think curiosity, like, uh, what's it called? F- field research? Combat research? Combat research. It's it only goes plus one plus one if it's a legendary creature right yeah if it's it, like ward one or something it doesn't give a pump so, yeah. so it's, it's just straight curiosity. up curiosity which yeah. i think is just not good it's just not good because one of the big things curious obsession does is when you put it on a one one you basically double your clock for no investment while doing your draw engine sure and a lot of the games i lose against mono lose because i'm like a turn or two too short because they've tempoed me too much mm-hmm. whereas if i lived two more turns they would be dead they could have no chance
1: yeah so that haste damage is pretty important on that yeah and i mean i I definitely have have seen that too that that extra like one haste damage is strong
0: it's not just one haste damage it's just one haste damage forever like the rest of the the game. Yeah. they don't have to keep developing that's right. it gives them so much flexibility to just jam counter spells and stuff like that mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's fair and I mean, they, they are not like super dedicated, like counter all of your, spell. you know, they counter like one important spell while continuing to put power on the board. So it's not quite like got to keep this flow of cards yeah, going so that I the, can counter everything. So
0: and yeah. also, I, I don't think that decks were really worth touching on super much. It's no, I don't care. About very that low powered. <laughs> yeah,
1: nothing else really to talk about that I have. So thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. I don't really have a call to action. You got anything you want to tell people to do?
0: pray for me you know <laughs> trying to get these floors in my house
1: yeah do that pray for lee avoid commander discourse and
0: whoa whoa, whoa. Have if it you're it a commander player you can say what you like but that's it that's positivity <laughs> sure
1: yeah but that's not discourse
0: no yeah yeah i, I made a you know semi evergreen tweet which is you don't have to participate in discourse in, no. in public just you know
1: just let it be Share
0: it with your friends. Don't let people judge you on Twitter. Do not become the main character.
1: No, that's quest number one of every day on Twitter is not becoming the main character.
0: And avoiding commander discourse, great way to never become the main character.
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, good luck to everybody in doing that. And have a great week.
0: Bye.